back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And the Saints are heading up to Atlanta to face the Falcons. And a Mercedes-Benz Stadium is apparently celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop on Sunday. Which... I don't know what that means. And not not in the sense of I don't know what hip hop is. <laughs> list of, of artists. And I don't know if that means that they're going to be performing. There's like dozens of them, you know, but I guess they're going to be there. I don't know. It's weird, but it's going to be it's going to be something. It's uh, Atlanta's always they, they're trying they to get away from the fact their team sucks by putting all this stuff going on. They do have that in-house DJ, right? Maybe that's what they're playing. See, I don't know. That's what makes it so confusing. They just put out this list of maybe they're playing. I don't know. Either way, that's going to be something, I guess. Uh, the Saints need to go up there and win. So hopefully the Falcons are satisfied with their hip-hop thing. And they can feel good about that as they lose uh, another game at home to the Saints. Is Ludacris going to be there at least? He is on this list. Yes. All right. There you go. I mean, I can read you some of the names, you know, Boys in the Hood, <laughs> Bubba Sparks, CeeLo Green, them franchise boys, Jermaine Dupree, Jeezy, the Ludacris, Rich Homie Kwan. How about Ying Yang Twins? Young Jock. Nope. No Ying Yang Twins. But yeah, so apparently they're doing that. If that means something to you, I'm happy for you, but. I, I always thought that was funny. Obviously, Ying Yang Twins, Stand Up and Get Crunk, and Atlanta Band, but that became such a New Orleans anthem. I have seen Ying Yang Twins live three times, all three times for free. <laughs> <laughs> I saw them twice. At, there's a bar called The Boathouse in Myrtle Beach uh, where they would just put on free concerts, you know, and so it was... Uh, the the funny thing is like they don't have a lot of songs where they're alone. They don't have a lot of Ying Yang Twins songs. It's always like Call a Park, Bubba Sparks, you know, and then Ying Yang Twins show up, right? <laughs> like they will play like booty 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 rocking everywhere, <laughs> and but it's like they have to play that part because Bubba Sparks isn't there. It's just the Ying Yang Twins. The only song that they can play really that's just them is like the Whisper song, which really doesn't translate live. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's, it's very funny. I also saw them once in New Orleans. It was at a, I think, a Pygmalion Festival, like one of the festivals after the a parade where they like all of the crews show up and I got a wristband and we went and it was like, would you, wouldn't you know it? The, uh, the act is Ying Yang twins. Uh, like they, they like, I think they do from, from the window to the wall, right? They do, they're on like a couple little John songs. It's right. just very funny because they have they they do their part, but then the rest is played. Anyway, that's that's it. That's all I got. For Ying Yang twins won't even be there, but yeah, and they're not twins. What what a shame! A, 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 an Atlanta band they're not even inviting. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't get the they didn't get the memo. They couldn't make it. Okay, so you know, so the, the whole point of this segment is not about talking about hip hop. It's about talking about what do the Saints need to do better, and and it has to start right away because. You know, this is a situation the Saints are in where you can look at it and say that everything is out in front of them. And, 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 and you're right. And they should feel that way. But a loss to Atlanta to drop to five and six and in the process drop to second in the NFC, NFC South. Because right now, the Saints have a full game lead that, that only lasts until you lose to the team that's behind you. And then you would lose the tiebreaker. So 
a loss in this game would feel devastating after losing to the Vikings the way you did, sitting there two weeks later and, and coming out with a loss to this division rival who ne- then then would be in first place in the division, right? That's not what you want. So, you know, so so what are, what are the keys to A, not losing this game and B, not losing the rest of your games? And I mean, the, it, it really is, you know, coming out fast. It's like, it sounds so simple, but like, man, you can't continue to allow long drives for touchdowns the entire first half. <laughs> you can see the offense needs to be better, but I'm looking at the defense and, and we talked about this. If they can't shore up their red zone defense in the first half, you're going to lose a lot of football games. You cannot allow an 80% success rate in the red zone on defense, which is what the Saints have allowed over their last five games. And it's like, I don't, you, you, you drives happen. You, you will not get off the field three and out on every possession. But you also cannot allow touchdowns on every possession. And that's what happened against the Vikings. And that's why you lost that game in the first half. Because not only did you allow them to drive the field in these long possessions, they ended up in the end zone uh, on all but the first one. And the first one, you know, there was a questionable non-pass interference call. They drove the field on that run too, but it ended in a field goal. And if you had ended up with two more of those types of drives, then you would have been right in that game. But no, they went down, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And it was basically over 21 points in the first half on three drives cannot happen. And so you look at that and you say, okay, what do you, what do you do differently? Well, you know, <laughs> you have to keep things in front of you, which they have done, but you also have to tackle like you, you can't allow a two yard run to turn into a six yard run, right? You, you get the quarterback in the backfield. You can't allow him to scramble out and turn a four yard loss into a five yard gain or even a two yard gain. That's how you get these 12 play drives, right? Because that's what it has been. It has not been a lot of explosive plays. Go back throughout the first 10 games. Where are the explosive plays? You don't see them. Like the uh, Christian Kirk against the Jags, that was an explosive play, but even that was a short a short throw and a catch and run. Like you have not seen deep balls against this Saints defense other than. You know, the Packers game, you could say that there was a couple pass interference calls that qualified as explosive plays because you just allowed them to happen. But in the most part, it's been just execution, execution, execution underneath. And, you know, three yard, three plays first down, three plays first down, three plays first down. So that's what has to change is you have to, A, get off the field, and B, when you don't get off the field right away, you cannot just fold and allow, allow easy touchdown drives. And, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into that. But if you can get that 80% success rate in the first half down to, I don't know, it doesn't even have to be low. It can be 50. That, you probably win some of these games that you lost if you can be closer to 50% allowing touchdowns in the red zone on defense. What's wild is obviously we know we, we talked about it a ton, obviously with the slow starts with the team. And it's like, how, how do you get that second half mentality or – whatever mindset or groove that they're, they're able to get in. And I, I think, you know, we mentioned it as well, too. Obviously, the offenses might be a little more conservative that they're playing in that second half, depending on what's going on. But I, uh, overall, you see a more significant uh, change when it comes to, you even mentioned, you know, getting off the field, getting three and outs come the second half, whereas in the in the first half of games, they've just been looking like doormats. And it's, I just, I don't, have any kind of explanation for it. And we haven't heard it from coach or the players either. 
No, there, there really is no explanation because I think it's just a lot of it is just, you know, have some pride, right? Like go out there and make a tackle for Christ's sake. Like, you know what you're doing? Like this defense knows what it's doing. This is not a rookie laden defense. This is not a new oh, scheme. Right. Not a lot of new players, right? It's just guys who need to go out there and, and execute their jobs. And I think that's why the coaching staff gets frustrated when they get those questions because like, and, and it, you know, it, it is funny and we've talked about this, but it's so true. Like, what do you think is happening in the locker room? Honestly, like, seriously, when people come out and say halftime adjustments, what exactly do you think is happening in the locker room? Like by the, like, like look at the clock when the, when the second quarter ends and they flash up, what, 12 minutes, 15 minutes. <laughs> like, I, I don't even know how long halftime technically is, but they start the timer right away. And when the timer is done, the third quarter starts. So I'm like you, you, you leave the field, you got to walk all the way to the locker room. It's not like right outside the door. It takes a little bit of time to get there. You get to the, it's like, you go to the bathroom, right? You got to, you get a like a drink of Gatorade. <laughs> what do you think they're doing at that point? Do you right, think there's not this big screen where they're calling up new plays and <laughs> yeah. breaking down the film of the first half? <laughs> I think they got lifelines. I think they're doing like phone a friend. No, it's not. It's it's a lot of it is just guys. This is the game. Like you're reminding people in most cases more than anything else, and you're making minor adjustments, but you're not changing anything. And, and then you come out and you play better. But it's not about changing the scheme. It's just about playing better. It's about doing your job and executing. And you know that's part of the reason when I when we talked about. Alante, I don't think Alante has been very good in the slot. And I think you have an opportunity here to put him in a position that he feels a little more comfortable in and maybe figure some things out in the slot with somebody else. But I, do, I just don't think that's been working. And, you know, that, that touchdown where you talk about Josh Dobbs looking like Superman, the reason that touchdown happened yeah. is because Alante did not play it well. And he's not a guy who should be getting out running. Like I've talked about team defense and – you know, what are team speed on defense and that they don't have enough of it. Well, he is not an example of not having enough team speed on defense. He should be the guy who can make that play. And he just didn't. And I just don't think he feels comfortable in that position. It was an idea. You put him there. It has not really worked. And so right now, I think you want to be trying to find another option. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I just don't think – I think he's kind of losing confidence there. It's just not a good situation to be in for a young player who was in a position battle and now is in a new position that he's just not thriving in. So, you know, I, I don't know if a guy like Ugo Amati or Jordan Howden will be better. But I do think that in order, you know, to build the confidence of a young player, I want to put him in a position where he feels comfortable. And right now I think that's on the outside for Alante and you've had two weeks – to you know, you, you knew where where Marshawn stood in terms of probably wasn't going to be back this week. So right. you had the opportunity to say, okay, Alante, we're going to shift you back outside. You have two weeks to kind of get prepared, and you know, obviously, you want to give these guys some time off. I don't think you, you know, like I think he had a few extra assignments over this break, and that's why I think you're probably going to see him go outside because earlier in the season when you did it. You, you did it kind of you kind of half-assed it, right? Like you wanted to keep Alante on the field. So in base packages, you would have him outside. And then in nickel, you would have him inside. And it just didn't work. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah, that's that's something that I think you really kind of need to figure out. Uh, I, I'm curious to see if it is, ends up being Alante outside just because of the fact that I'm not saying he wasn't on board with 
the switch to the you know the nickel roll, but he I don't I don't think he was ever enthralled or you know looking forward to taking it on. It was like all right, this is where they want me. This is where they need me. I'm gonna do it. But I always got that sense of man, I'd I'd rather be outside. Yeah, I think any I think any cornerback who says they wouldn't rather be outside is lying to you. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that's not, you didn't come up as a cornerback and say, yeah, I ever desperately want to cover tight ends. You didn't like, that's just not how it works. Um, and so like, he's a team guy. He'll do it. He'll do the job. I just don't know. If, I, I just don't think it's working. Um, and you know, that, that position in this defense is very important. That's why I was really annoyed to see CJ go. I understand why CJ left, but I just think from a just cohesion perspective, that's a position that takes so many tasks that are not simple, that are not just rep based. They have to react, right? They have to, they have to be ahead of the game. And, you know, like that, the, the, the interception against the Bucks a few years ago where she did just baited Tom Brady to throw to Scotty Miller. And then he just like broke on it and got like, that's the type of play that you can make in the slot that it's like, it's subtle, but not everyone makes that play. Right. And I just think it's just not, it's not, it's not, it's not working. So uh, I mean, we don't need to get any more of that other than that. But I do think that that has been that position not being as elite as you are used to has has been a struggle. And I think it was a struggle last year. And I think it's been it's more it's more of a struggle this year. So you got to figure it out. The other thing that I think this team needs to do from a just an overall team perspective is. This team plays, and this is stupid, but it's true. This team plays much better with a lead than it does when it's trying to play from behind, right? And, and, and I mean, I think that's probably true of a lot of teams, but when this team is playing downhill, it's a much better football team. You look at the wins and the losses, right? The Saints, four of the five losses, they have been behind at halftime, right? So that's the Vikings, they were down by 21. The Jags, they were down by 11. The Texans, they were down by seven. The Bucks, they were down by 11. Now, in three of those four games, the Saints made it a game. Like, they were they were close, but they were trying to climb uphill the whole way, and they just never could get over the top. The only loss that they were ahead at halftime was against the Packers, and that's kind of an asterisk. Like, we can say that's a bad loss, but at the same time, you play the second half without your quarterback, weird things happen. Um, but like those three losses, the Texans, Vikings, and Jags, they're not bad losses. Like you're not looking at a, a team that's lost a lot of bad games, right? The Bucks game is kind of notwithstanding, but it's a divisional game. Weird things happen in divisional games. And so like you look at this and it's not, it's not a matter of them losing to bad teams. Again, the Packers game notwithstanding for obvious reasons. It's about not beating good teams. And why are you not beating good teams? Well, because you're getting off to a slow start and you're playing from behind. The games they have won. Four of those five games, they were either tied or ahead at halftime. So that's the Panthers where they were up by three. The Patriots were up by 17. The Colts were up by one. And the Bears game, which they were tied. Right? And they played a majority of the second half from in front. The only game that they won where they were behind at halftime was week one against the Titans. They were down six to three. And even then it's like, yeah, that's barely, you might as well be zero, zero at that point. It's not a huge difference. Um, and they, and they played from ahead for a majority of the second half of that game. And so like that, this team, I think in the in, you know, it's funny because they've started the last few games without the ball. And I think deferring to the second half is a luxury you have when you do not start slow. And I, I just think, 
if they win the coin toss in this game in Atlanta, they need to take the ball and they need to go score. I want to see this team play from ahead and I want to see them. They want to see them making decisions as a team that knows they need to be aggressive early in the game and get out in front and play from in front. Cause when they play from in front and they build confidence and they force the other team to actually do stuff other than one read and run, they're a much better football team. So to me, that's a big part of it. It's like, if you want to win more games, stop trying to win from behind. And it's like, yeah, every game you'd love to be ahead and win the entire game end to end. But I do think that there's not, it's not a coincidence that you're getting behind in these games and you're losing these games. Um, so yeah, score more points on the other team. That's the big difference. No, and I, we talked a little bit about you know you, aggre- you want aggressiveness. T- Taysom Hill is that big, you know, that physical yeah. presence that can can give you that. I thought Jamal Williams would be more of that, but still has not come to fruition yet. I don't know what the deal has been with with, with Williams this year. Uh, I, I hope that maybe this last stretch something can turn on for him. In this run game, though, in general, hasn't been anything spectacular. But I, I did think a guy that was coming in that scored 17 touchdowns in Detroit would be doing something by now. Yeah, it hasn't. I mean, and you, I will say you haven't really had red zone running opportunities for him. And when you have, they've been going to taste him. It's, it, you know, it, it, in, in hindsight, the signing feels like it doesn't make a ton of sense, right? Like his, his, his kind of got a redundant skill set when you are using Taysom the way you are? Like, did you need to sign a guy for a three-year, $12 million contract to be a blocker? Like, I feel like you could find a fullback. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't make sense how they're using him. It doesn't make sense, you know, and he hasn't been productive in the times they have used him, right? Like, if you're going to be a short yardage guy, you got to pick up short yardage, you know, and when you don't, it's just like, well, why are you here? Like, that was the third down play to start the second half against the Vikings. It was like third and one. This is, quite literally why they brought you in and you can't pick it up. And like part of that's on the line, right? Like it's not all on the running back, but when you haven't really done anything else and you get a short yardage opportunity and don't convert. And then the plan on fourth down is to go to Taysom anyway. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's not really working out. Uh, So I I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe he'll, he'll find his rhythm and you'll, you'll get a little bit more, but it's, that's been, that's been disappointing to, to say the least. What, what I will say is, you know, on offense, I think even without Mike Thomas, I want to see them get more to the quick passing game. I want to see you doing to other teams what other teams have been doing to you, right? Which is just, you know, get the ball out quickly. I, and I and it's and it's annoying because it doesn't always work, and people will complain that it's that it's you know check down Derek and Captain check down and all of this. I think this offense works better when Derek's not standing in the pocket waiting for someone to wipe him out, right? I want to see the screens haven't worked. They need, you need to run screens. You need to be better at running screens. It's not about, well, they haven't worked, so we're going to stop doing them. No, you got to work on it. You got to get better at it because those are key plays in this offense. You got to be able to execute them. And, And part of it was, you know, in this last game, it's a little different and Jameis isn't necessarily in there with the timing um, he's not getting the first team reps in practice. So when they try to run the screen, screens are all about timing and getting the ball where it needs to be. It's so like, it's not all on James, it's not all on Al. It's not all on the offensive line. It's gotta be a group effort. And the, the screens they ran in the second half of that game just did not work. Um, a lot of that was on the blocking. So it, it's, I don't know. It, you you got to run them and you got to be better at them. 
And to me, that's a big part of it. And that helps you, you know, when you're converting first downs instead of losing two yards on those plays, offense gets so much easier because it's just there's there's moments where you just demoralize a defense. And it just feels like when you're watching a game and a team runs a screen and it works and the defense tires itself out running up field and then turns around it's like son of a bitch. You know, like like those are moments that I feel like like they, they their body blows in a fight. And you haven't gotten those. You've gotten these big boom or bust plays, but you haven't gotten those just kind of like, you know, where where you counter what they're doing and it works and you feel like, yeah, got them. You know, like you just haven't seen that with the Saints offense and it's got to be better. And, you know, that goes on Pete Carmichael, that goes on Derek, that goes on, you know, whoever's in there. Um, they just haven't had enough of those moments. And so that to me, that's, you know, I, I just think getting into the right situation and, beating the defense where they are is something that I just haven't seen enough of. No, there haven't been very many, if any, explosive plays to talk about this season. Um, you know, no, they've, had, they've had explosive plays. I, I, just, I just agree with that. They've had explosive plays. But maybe they haven't, like, finished. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not in the run game at all. Well, sure, in the run game. The run game's different. But, I mean, what's an explosive play in the run game? But, I mean, you know. I'll take a 20-plus yard run. Yeah, I mean, so yeah I, yeah, I guess if you're talking about the run game, sure, but 20-plus yard plays, the Saints have 28 of them, which is kind of middle of the road in the NFL. 40-plus yard plays, the Saints have eight of them, which is second in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, like, they've had explosive plays. We've seen explosive plays, but we just haven't seen, like, 10 to, 10 to 20. Like, I want 10 to 20-yard plays that are not just Chris Olave – you know, on a, on a dig. Like I want to see them get to that in other ways. So I, I agree with that, but the, they have made explosive plays down the field. Well, Again, who, only one team has more 40 plus yard plays in the NFL. Who do you think ends up getting into Mike's role? At least initially who gets like the, the, the first look, would it be, you know, Perry, because he's had that more time or do you, do you look at someone like a Kirkwood? There's two questions. One is who's playing the X and what are you running with primary reads in terms of, okay, who's the, who's the first option, second option, third option? Are you flipping things in certain instances because you have A.T. Perry playing X and that would typically be the first read, but because Mike's not there, you're kind of flipping the, the, the progression. So I, I think you will have A.T. Perry playing the X receiver um, because I think that's what he's been repping. Uh, Rashid has mainly been Z slot and, and Chris has been kind of doing the same thing. Um, so I think that's where you're going to, but you're going to see a lot more targets for like, I, I don't think AT is going to get a ton of targets, but I think he's going to take Mike's role in the, in that part of the field. So I would guess that AT is the one that's going to be on the field the most. Um, I don't think Kirk's get, Kirkwood's going to be active. Unless, you know, unless maybe things don't go the way you hoped in the beginning of the week and um, you feel more comfortable with Keith in there. But I know I think you're going to see AT get get that role. Yeah. Uh, just curious, like, you know, w- what they do wide receiver, you know, the, the rundown now with Mike looking like it's going to be a little, you know, not hopefully not an extended time, but he is going to miss some time. Yeah. No, I, I mean, We'll see. I mean, hopefully, maybe, uh, shoot, Juwan could get some more targets for crying out loud. You, you know, it, it, it's funny because I, 
I had someone reply to a tweet that wasn't even about the tight ends, but you know, they were watching the Broncos game and Adam Troutman caught a couple passes before the first half or before the end of the first half. And it was on the drive where Kevin O'Connell had decided to cowardly punt from the 48 yard line on fourth and one, which always a bad decision. Never do that. Stop punting in plus territory on fourth and one. Go for it. You, I, I could make a very solid argument. They lost that game because of that decision. They lost by one point. And you basically gifted the Broncos three points by not running a higher... I mean, what's the percentage on a fourth down, fourth and one? Like 70%? Like it's a high percentage play. And it's like, so, so measure that against the percentage of pinning a team deep enough that it tangibly affects their ability to drive in the field goal range, right? Like, so you're talking about, uh, do you have a better chance of converting on fourth and one or your punter pinning them inside the five? Because I, I, I will assure you that your chances are better of converting a fourth and one. Your punter may pin them within the five, but again, all you can do is make the right decision at the right moment. You can't, you, you can results-based analysis your way out of a paper bag, but you cannot tell me that you have a better chance of pinning a team deep than you have of converting a fourth and one because it's not true. They kicked it into the end zone, so it ended up being a 27-yard net. And the Broncos, with three timeouts, went down the field and kicked the field goal at the end of the first half. Instead of being down 10 to 6 or worse, they were down 10 to 9, and they ended up winning by one. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do it. Stop doing it. It's not that complicated. And it's funny because you talk about Kevin O'Connell. Everyone loves Kevin O'Connell. He makes the right decision. He's a good coach. But even even good coaches, even the guys talked about as like the, the the best coaches, are still making these mind-numbingly dumb analytics blind decisions in the NFL. I don't remember what we were talking about. What were we talking about? Sean Payton. Oh, oh, tight ends, tight ends. Tight ends. So there on we that, go. Yeah, on that drive for the field goal, someone replied and was like, Man, the the Broncos, this Sean Payton's offense gets the tight end involved <laughs> way more than the Saints does. And that's not true. I looked at the, I looked at, go look at the targets, right? And so you look at Adam Troutman, I think, you know, he he ended up with what? Three targets in that game, four targets. Let's see. Adam Troutman, good old Adam Troutman. He has 15 catches on the year, right? He had two targets in that game. There were those two targets that they saw. And they were like, wow, the the Broncos get the tight ends involved. No, between Adam Troutman, Chris Manhurts, whoever else on the Broncos, they have like 20 eight total targets for tight ends in this offense through now 10 games, right? Whereas the Saints, in terms of Taysom Hill, Jawan Johnson, Jimmy Graham with his one target and catch, uh, you know, Foster Morrow, they have in the range of 50, right? So it's funny because you watch the games on TV and you're like, man, they threw twice the tight end. They, They used the tight end. In reality, they don't. The Broncos have not used the tight end, and Russell Wilson doesn't throw to the middle of the field. He just did those two times, and because you saw him, you assume it's like, oh, man, they must be doing this. They don't. So I don't know what my point is here, but the, ideally, yes, you would get Jawan Johnson more involved. Um, he was not involved against the Vikings, and without Mike Thomas, yeah, I think you're, you're right. You do want to try to take advantage of the middle of the field with him. I don't, I don't know if Jawan is, is excelling right now in his role. And, you know, he's missing blocks. You know, it's, I don't know if he's still dealing with getting up to speed from that calf injury and he's just not where he wants to be. But I don't think Jawan, it's it's not just that the Saints aren't getting the ball to Jawan. 
I think it's also Jawan isn't executing as well as he needs to. So that those are both both of those both sides of the equation have to get better. Um, but I don't think Jawan like we can talk about like they haven't been using Jawan. I don't think Jawan has been putting himself in positions to have success, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously he started out had the injury and all, but I, I thought like last game, even in Minnesota, we were going to see him get to eat a little, but there hasn't been that game at all this season where he's he's arrived and made his presence felt like, whoa, that you know, what that was a hell of a game from Juwan and and just not what we saw at all from training camp, which kind of is that head scratcher. And I know training camp doesn't show you everything, but it sure looked like he was definitely poised for that that big season. I know he had he led the team in touchdowns last year, but it seemed like he was going to even elevate bigger than that, and, and it just hasn't happened. No, no, and he was targeted twice up. The, that's the frustrating thing is he was targeted twice up the seam. It seemed like it, it looked. It seemed it looked like he had some separation, and the balls was just both times it was over his head. And I don't know if maybe he didn't get to the depth or if the ball was thrown. Like both throws were about the exact same. So something so, was off, right? Yeah, whether that was whether he was just overthrown or if they, you know, kind of the 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 depth he was supposed to be at. Wasn't yeah. cr- I, I don't know, but Derek had one, Jameis had one. Both guys overthrew him slightly, and those those are the big plays, right? Those are the plays up the seam that you need to see from him because he's the guy who's there. He's the guy who's going to make those plays, and it's the Jared Cook plays, right? Like we haven't seen the Jared Cook plays, and as much as people didn't like Jared Cook, Jared Cook opened up a lot of things in this offense for a lot of people up the middle of the field. So you know, I, yeah, that, that's a if they can't get Jawan more involved without Mike Thomas out, and I, I don't know. And again, it's weird because Derek has thrown to tight ends consistently. Like, it's not like he doesn't, in his career, hasn't thrown to tight ends. So, I don't know. It's That's why I, I wonder if if maybe there's something on the Jawan side of things that's not clicking. But we'll see. Well, shoot, there's that other guy, Jimmy, if he's not resting, if we could put him in for maybe a catch or two. I think I'm going to give – I'm, I'm going to – so, last year – I, I made the rule that I'm not going to talk about Ian Book anymore because every time I talk about Ian Book, I just say things that are just like, well, why am I talking about Ian Book when he's not doing anything? And I think I'm going to have that rule with Jimmy Graham. So like, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to spend time talking about him because he's a non-factor. It does not matter what I say about Jimmy Graham. <laughs> he's effectively a coach right now. Still on the roster. Uh, yeah. And, and Healthy props for Jimmy pimping out getting a Veterans Day rest on Wednesdays. I mean, I don't think he minds getting paid. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, if you need me, I'll be here, you know. And if not, cool. Yeah, which not. Um, all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. I want to kind of reset. Okay, what are the games coming up? What, where where do the Saints need to be, right? What, what do they need to be looking at in these next few games? Um, and, you know, will the Saints consider staffing changes, I think, is a, is a good question. But we'll, we'll get into that when we come back. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Otherwise, stick around. Oh.